right. Welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast. I'm Dan O'Rourke, and along with me today is... Father James Mellon. And also... Ron Huntley. Good to see you guys. I'm really looking forward to this. This is the uh, the third part of our three-part series on how to kill Alpha in 10 easy steps. This is this is the return of the king. <laughs> yeah, well, this yes, is it, right? Mount is it. Doom this is, is, is Ma- not just in sight, but yeah, it's on uh, the radar. And Minas Tirith is uh, surrounded by orcs. <laughs> <laughs> i got to watch that again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a book, Ron. It's a book, too. Okay, then I'm definitely not reading it. <laughs> All right. So we've we've covered all sorts of stuff. Um, just I'll ever so briefly mention what they are. Uh, it's we've talked about the importance of the meal. We've talked about the the weekend away and how you know y- you gotta do it. Um, we talked about prayer and and to to, uh, to ensure that you're praying both as a team and then of course we talked a little bit actually about the, the context of how we approach prayer in Alpha. We talked about uh, how we teach within our small groups and 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 how uh, we shouldn't be too intense, don't be too Catholic, uh, and the uh, the way we choose leaders. So we've covered all that stuff already. I think it's time to talk about how to pick a team. Pick a team and keep a team and have low turnover policy and make it kind of a club. That is how we can kill Alpha. What do you think, Ron? <laughs> well, it's one of the topics that I think we kind of started to unpack a little bit in the first of our three. Uh, but this topic particularly comes up because of all the calls that I've received over the years in terms of helping people out. People find out we do Alpha here and and that uh, we're having some success. So they'll call and ask some questions. And this is one of the themes that I hear over and over again as I ask them questions about what they're doing and how they're doing it. A lot of people say, well, our team is running out of people to come to Alpha at our church. So our team is going to be doing some work or we're inviting another church to come to do Alpha with our team. And it's like, wait a minute, you've missed the entire point. Uh, So their idea is kind of like in in the secular world, in the business world, you don't want team turnover because if you lose a staff person, it costs a lot of money for retraining. So you try to get the best and keep the best. Alpha is the opposite. You want to kick the best out eventually into other ministries. And so it's really hard to do. Let's say that uh, being on Alpha should be be terminal. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, it's... You're in it for maybe uh, two, three years, and then we want to be intentional about moving people along. Because Alpha is our leadership and discipleship pipeline. When you think about a pipeline, if there's no movement further up the, 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 the other end of the pipe, the pipe becomes clogged and blocked and nothing flows through. It's all a think pipeline, think flow through, flow through. You've got to move your people at the top. And sometimes that means inviting your best leaders, your best people to move out into other ministries within the parish to lead to lead things or perhaps to, to launch a new alpha initiative in some other context, but to move them out. And that can be a scary thing because all of a sudden, oh my goodness, I've got these roles I have to fulfill, the, these, the, this need that, that I need to meet, and I've, I've just said goodbye to some of my best team members. But unless you do that, new people are not going to come forward, and it's the, one of the most crucial things in Alpha. Yeah, because we're not putting on a course. We're changing a culture. Those are two very different things. If all we were doing is putting on a great course and we'd want our greatest people so we could have the greatest course, we're changing a culture. We're raising people up. We're equipping them. We're we're helping them to encounter Christ. And then we need to move them on. You know, it's interesting because you're right, Father James, so many times I've had to let go of great friends, amazing facilitators. They totally get the alpha DNA. And it's like, it's time for you to go. 
And it's the hardest thing to do. But, you know, it's hard on both accounts. One, as somebody who's responsible to help organize it. But it's also hard for the people being let go because, you know, there's a tendency to make alpha your thing. And I always say to people, this is not a club. This is not something that I'm going to encourage you to attach yourself to. We're going to be moving you along. And it's like a high school. You know, if you had a really good high school experience, you're not going to be there 10 years later, hopefully. Yeah. Right? You need to move on. And Alpha is very similar to that. But I, I know at one point, just recently, somebody who uh, came to a stronger faith through Alpha went through the team process, evolved incredibly, contributed at a really high level, moved on, took on other ministries, felt they're not being as fed as much in these other ministries as they were on their Alpha team. So they just asked me the other day, uh, Ron, uh, I think I'm ready to come back and be on the Alpha team. And I know why they said that. I know what they're thinking. I know what's at the heart of it. And I said, I'm sorry, that can't happen because we need to continue to move people through the Alpha experience. But if you really would like to have an Alpha experience, I'll tell you what we can talk about. We can talk about how we can help you run it in your workplace or how we can help you run it in your home. Yeah. And so there, there are other opportunities, but it's, it's hard. Yeah. The other thing is that you think of Alpha as, as this pipeline, as this, as this factory. You know, like it's, it's about making and equipping missionary disciples, bringing people to become disciples and then equipping them. And you've got to keep the flow through happening. One of the interesting things, we, had a, uh, we have three times a year a leadership summit and where we bring together all of our ministry leads and we do some work around visioning and we give them some up-to-date information about what's going on and uh, we do some leadership training with them and then have a time of prayer. But in our last meeting, we asked uh, who here has done, who's gone through alpha training and about 60% of our leaders now, and there's about 90, we have about 90 ministries, so there's about, about 95 people there, 65% of them have gone through alpha training. Now that is very, very significant because most of those people who have gone through alpha training some of them are still involved in Alpha, but most of them are not. And what? And again, if the primary task of divine renovation is cultural transformation of your church, when people in your leadership have, have gone through that training process and have been sensitized to the Alpha methodology, because I think the Alpha methodology doesn't just work for Alpha, it works in the church in general, because it's a whole methodology of meeting people where, where they're at, you know, helping people to belong, bring, walking with people until they come to believe and, and come to behave. So that's a huge win. And that's only going to happen if you kick people out, if you move them on. Is there a way to to ask people to move on? Like I, I can just, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with this because I can imagine, you know, you build this great team of people. They've, they've, you know, they've earned their stripes and now you're asking them to, you know, you know, thank you for your service kind of thing, but we don't need you. So there's gotta, that's gotta be a bit of a delicate conversation. We modeled that after a TV show that, uh, by Donald Trump, you're fired. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a great line. It works every time. No, uh, actually we tell people that coming in. I let people know that yep. right away. Even the first night of training, I, I say, Hey, who here is in, in on team for the first time and you see all the hands go up. Like I want to see 50%. Yeah. I want to see 50% of the people on team training as a first time. And I let people know who's here the second time and there's less numbers. Who's here the third time or more and there's far less numbers. And then I tell people, look around. Those people are going to be gone soon. Because one of the things that we do at Alpha is we move people through. Yep. 
because this isn't a club. It's something that you're moving through. And so I let people know that right up front. And the joke is, and I hear people say it all the time, has Ron give you the boot yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, I can't underestimate you. In my work with other churches and talking with them, like this is so often a piece of, of the alpha experience that people just simply don't get. And, it's, and if you get this one right, this is the biggest bang for the buck. I mean, this is where you get the, tr- the cultural transformation happening within your parish. And what's hard about it, too, is when you get really good people and they get it, it takes a long time to help people get it. There's just so many new People will teach when they shouldn't teach. People will talk about So when you get people that get it, it's really hard to let them go. But here's the other thing. If you're an administrator of Alpha, if you're a leader, you're going to have to get comfortable with mistakes. They happen all the time. And so you're constantly, you think to yourself, I remember I used to think, I already did the training. I already taught them these things. How come they're doing it? And I was surprised. And I, I look back now and I laugh at myself like, no, that's what it means to lead. You're constantly reminding people of the values. You're constantly calling people back to the basics. And so in your leadership with Alpha, you're going to have to get comfortable with the fact that you're going to be correcting mistakes all the time and you have to be okay with it and so that's too if you get your head around that it's much easier to take new people on because you realize no this is just what it means to lead as opposed to getting things perfect like you know your altar servers when you got the best ones they do everything perfect well if you're going to raise up new altar servers you're going to have to get used to mistakes and coaching people through them is that fair yeah and i think to one of the as this begins to impact the broader parish and again one of our goals here is to allow those values, those key values within Alpha, to to slowly seep into into the culture of the parish as a, as a whole. So, this whole idea of of things becoming pipelines, or you know, always on the lookout for the who's going to replace you, is it becomes a key component in in the church as a whole that we want to see coming into every single ministry. Because as soon as someone takes ownership of a ministry in a way that, you know, this is my divinely appointed thing and, and I will not, I shall, we shall not be moved. You know, we're going to control this. And and then that's the that's where things really begin to be unhealthy. So we want to see that culture of, of moving people through and, and seeing our ministries as, as things that are used to equip people and to, and to move people through processes. I heard we were at a conference not that long ago where the fellow said, are you married to your methods or are you married to your mission? We want to attach people to Jesus Christ. And so we want to use the ministries in the church to build people up. We don't want to use people to build up our ministries. And so we need flow. We need a healthy attachment or to ministries because, you know, I I always laughed as a kid. I always wanted to take up collection. I thought it was the coolest thing to have that basket with the long thing where you, (laughs) I just thought it was so cool, but it was just grumpy old men that did it. And I thought, how come nobody (laughs) lets me do it? I'm eight years old. I can do it. But there was just this sense of, no, we just don't do that. And it's like, why don't we, why don't we let go of the ministries in terms of our identity? And why don't we say to ourselves, how can we use the ministries in our parish to build people up. And it also brings not just fresh people, and but fresh ideas, fresh perspectives. You know, you often hear people say, well, you know, we, we, we have to default to the, you know, the, the people who have been in leadership before because they have the experience. Well, I think sometimes what we need in the church is a healthy dose of inexperience in, in that sense <laughs> that, that perhaps our experience is the problem because we're too narrow in our way of thinking. And so if you have a church culture as a whole that springs from Alpha, that is constantly feeding new people through, it, it keeps um, it, it keeps the the whole thing 
energized. And it's a lot more work, isn't it? I, re- I remember you sharing with me an experience, a, a story that you heard when you were away, I think in Mexico or, or somewhere in South America, where Alpha was really working and then they shut it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's true, yeah. Uh, that, that's the thing, you know, I've often thought with this new evangelization thing, if, we, if it works, we're going to be in big trouble because we're not necessarily equipped. You know, if, I, I'm not sure if I used this image in this podcast before, but the, the image of babysitting toddlers, have I used that one? Share it again. So this is something that, that came to me a few, a few weeks ago. We had uh, a couple of folks who, who have been awakened in their faith, uh, either weren't go, going to church. But when people are newly awakened in their faith, it's a lot of work. They get into trouble. And then this image came to me. Imagine if I said to you, uh, I want you to babysit 30 toddlers. You'd say, what? All by myself? I can't do that. I said, don't worry. 29 of them are in comas. Only one of them is awake. So the other 29, you just have to sh- shovel in some food once a day. And, uh, well, if they die, you just bury them. And, and <laughs> This is a weird It's okay. a weird, but, it may, it's, it, but it's going to make me. sense. Stay with me. Stay with me. <laughs> so you get one toddler. That's no problem. But I'm using this because... You know, say, for instance, in the United States, we're told that the average Catholic parish is between 3 to 6% of parishioners are, are intentional disciples. As people who are awakened to what the Lord is calling them to. They're, they're in relationship. They're, they're seeking ministry. They're, they're, they're desiring to be fed. That's your average parish. It's like you're, you're 30 toddlers with one, but you're only one awake. But when you run Alpha, your toddlers are going to start waking up. Mm-hmm. And what happens when you've got five toddlers running around? 10, 15, 18 toddlers, and you're by yourself. You know, they're, they're opening drawers and opening doors and wandering around. They're screaming to be fed. They're making messes, and you're just one person. So the point is that, that w- as you begin to see people wake up and grow, it's going to challenge our whole way of, of doing ministry and our whole way of, 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 of being church. In this particular instance, I won't name the country, but it was at the cathedral of the city, and I remember the, the national director of Alpha, we were talking, and he was in tears because Alpha had been very, very successful in this cathedral parish. And so many people were waking up that the priest shut it down because it was too much work. He couldn't handle it. Oh, wow. And so that's why it always comes back to the bigger culture issue. You can't just run Alpha as, as an add-on program because it will, if you do it correctly, if you avoid all of these 10 ways to kill it, mm-hmm. your toddlers are going to start waking up mm-hmm. and they're going to they're gonna be wanting to be fed so they can grow. They're going to be wandering off and doing things. There's going to be a lot more work. So it is, we have to have a larger plan in place. Well, in fact, as you say that, I'm just being reminded of that's exactly how you and I partnered up in Alpha 15 years ago is because I was a toddler who had been awoken and I was just so I was just going through that awakening phase as a Catholic now I'm a cradle Catholic born and raised but I was awakened and, and, and passionate about scripture all of a sudden and what it was saying and and it was through that that I reached out to you because I needed to be fed I needed to have these discussions and it's you and I that had the discussion and that's when I mentioned Alpha but it was because I was awakened and so so I'm really not sure how I feel about this metaphor of coma toddlers. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I mean, like it was instructive, but at the same time, it created some really weird visuals in my head. Uh, now I recognize that uh, that we we've, we're touching on um, sort of something that might actually induce some fear into some people. That's but 
I think we're going to come back to it at the very end because number 10 yes. was, you know, have a plan. I don't want us to talk about the plan yet. I know it will flow nicely, but I think it's it's the best way to end this top 10. So instead, I want to drive us, drive us towards uh, what was number nine on our list, which was um, have someone with low ability lead music. <laughs> <laughs> and Father James started to talk about that a little bit in terms of how we do music on Alpha. But certainly – having someone with low ability have you ever heard somebody sing and you feel embarrassed for them like you just feel awkward they're missing the notes or 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 they're just not good and you feel the tension well boy you can tolerate that if you're if it's your your son or your daughter doing it for a family reunion or something because you love each other and you know each other but if you're a guest coming from outside and you don't know anybody and you're watching this poor person do music poorly and then actually try to invite you to sing along it is painful. And I don't know, you know, for us, there have been different times where we've actually had to not even do music. And that's what Alpha says. If you yeah. can't do it well, don't do it. Right. Because doing it well is important because you have to be comfortable enough with it yourself to be able to invite people into it. And so it's important that you pick somebody who has the skills and the talents. Do they have to be recording artists? No. But they have to be competent. And at the same time, uh, when we, we talk about doing music, what happens is after the meal, before you transition into the talk, there's usually a time of, of one or two songs. And usually these are hymns of praise, usually, uh, in, a, in a contemporary style. They can be, they can be uh, contemporary uh, hymns or they can be traditional hymns. I mean, we've done oftentimes, in fact, it's the best place to start is to pick a very traditional hymn, All Creatures of Our God and King and, you know, Our Amazing Grace. It's something that will be known even to, to people who don't go to church. And that can be played on guitar or, or on, a, on a keyboard. And what's important too when you do music in Alpha is is to avoid the opposite. I mean, I've I've gone to an Alpha once where the music was was like a band, and again, what you've what you've done is you've you've modeled that. Oh, okay, uh, to do Alpha, if we're if we're ever going to do our own Alpha, we need to get a band together. Of course, that's never going to happen. It's interesting how the values of Alpha are communicated at every level. If you go to an Alpha conference, uh, when we used to go to regional conferences, again. The music was modeled, and it was one person with a guitar or one person with a keyboard, uh, and they modeled that this is all you really need. But make sure the person has the, some basic ability. Because that's one of the other areas, too, that we're able to raise people up, because oftentimes at your table there will be somebody that is musical, and that will come up through your seven or ten weeks, whichever alpha you choose to do. Uh, it'll come up. And so you'll be able to sometimes take people who have been guests or have been team members and then make them, because we do turnover with mm-hmm. alpha music, too. It's so you mix like, it up, Ron? We mix it up. Absolutely. Do you mix it up in a specific run of alpha? Like- not normally. Normally we'll have the same person do the whole thing, but it's nice to have a backup, too, because mm-hmm. sometimes that person can't be there. And so if you have somebody that can fill in, that's great. But oftentimes we'll use the same person throughout that process. But we'll change people as we do facilitators. We'll try to get other people because, again, it gives them an experience of growing in their capacity to lead uh, music and praise. And there's a couple of things, again, we've already mentioned that uh, with your first couple of weeks, you don't you want to be careful in selecting uh, hymns that might be familiar to people, uh, hymns that are not going to put words in people's mouths, that they're not ready to, to speak. Uh, as the course progresses, you know, the hymns you're going to sing in week seven are going to be different than what you sang in week one. And also after the weekend away, things are different as well because, you know, usually 60, 70 percent of your people have gone on the weekend away or if your parish has done a, you know, a, a, a night and a day, if you're un- unable to do the weekend. 
But people have had a more intensive experience, so people are at that point are going to be more, perhaps more expressive. They're going to be more inclined to perhaps clap or even raise a hand. Uh, that's not something you would do or encourage in the first three, four weeks. You just wouldn't do it. And it's important as well to uh, not be introducing brand new hymns every, time. every single time. So we would say that week one, we'll just do one hymn. Only one. Week two, maybe only one as well. Week three, you can you can have two, but do the same one as you did the week before. Like build it. Don't make it all all completely new. So there's a, there's kind of a, a progression and a sensitivity that that the the music minister needs to have within Alpha as well. Yeah, and one of the reasons why music is so important is because music's a big part of your weekend away experience. And so if you don't do any, and then pile it on on the weekend away, they're not used to collectively singing together. So it's a build, one with sensitivity, bringing people along so that by the time we're at the weekend, it's you've already completed six weeks of Alpha, that's six meals together, that's six small group sessions together. Uh, you're at a place where you're more open to what's happening on the weekend and you can enter into the songs more. And so it is a build. It does need to be done with, with intentionality and competency. And you'll be really glad you did it because music ends up being a big part of what we do post uh, post alpha as well excellent so let's go to number 10 which is starting to be the the toddlers and coma problem uh, <laughs> <laughs> number 10 is you don't have a plan post alpha let people experience the authentic community and transformation and simply invite them to go to mass once a week <laughs> I, I would just like to uh, speak in defense of my coma metaphor because <laughs> the point is you know like uh, i mean people in comas are not dead they're alive but they're in comas. They're, they're they're in a deep sleep, and generally, people in comas don't know that they're in comas. And I I think it's it's a rather fitting that metaphor. People in comas, you still have to feed them, but they're they're they're, they're kind of low maintenance. I do think though, you said you wanted to shovel food into the kitchen. I think that's when I started to cringe. <laughs> like we're not even being gentle but, with the coma kids. But, but that's but that's my experience of uh, really in pastoral ministry when people encounter Jesus, when they experience the Holy Spirit, when all of a sudden they're saying. I never knew this was possible. I've been going to church my whole life and I didn't know that I could, I didn't even know I could have this kind of relationship with the Lord. I didn't know I could experience the Holy Holy Spirit like this. All of a sudden I have a hunger. I want to start reading the Bible. I want to grow in prayer. I'm, I now have a million questions about church teachings and, I, and, and the mass is coming alive and I want to go to confession. Well, Man, it was a lot less work when you were asleep. <laughs> and, and the point is that it, it when you... When your proportion of, of intentional disciples or missionary disciples, especially when people then become missionary disciples, because you have to move from being, it's not enough to be a disciple, you have to be a missionary disciple or an apostle, because Jesus said, go and make disciples, not go and be disciples. So when people even become missionary disciple and they start wanting to go out and change the world, it's a ton of work because you don't want to uh, discourage people. And, and all of a sudden, you've got more demand on you than you ever envisage and this is why if you do alpha you talk about posts you know what do you do afterwards it will challenge the infrastructure of your parish your whole infrastructure will be challenged your whole need to raise up more pastoral team in your parish will, will you'll be faced with that reality you can have disciples begin to people become disciples and awaken and your administrative structure in your parish won't have to change because that that waking up doesn't challenge your your administrative structure within your parish, but it will challenge your pastoral resources because ultimately missionary disciples are sustained and nurtured and encouraged through relationships. 
And you need then to have almost a proportional team as, as your people begin to wake up. So running Alpha successfully will mean that you're going to have to expand your staff. It has all kinds of implications. Yeah, both paid and unpaid. You yes. do need a plan. You know, one of the things years ago, because I've been involved with Alpha for a long time, we just talk about Alpha. But boy, a lot of people report after Alpha, there's this huge letdown. Like, what do I do now? It's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Come back on team, maybe, if you're one of the people that have been asked to be on team. But what if you haven't been asked to be on team? All of a sudden, you've had this authentic experience of Christian community. You have this hunger to read the Bible and pray more. But let's be honest, that goes away. <laughs> you know, that desire, that motivation, unless it's nurtured in a web of relationships, it goes away. And so then you actually have people that are jaded. Then try to get them excited about something else that you're going to do. You know what? I don't want to get excited again because I've been excited before and you've done nothing to sustain it. So it's not worth it to me. It takes so much emotional energy because it's such a disappointment. And that I hear that over and over and over again. And this is a key thing. When I first ran Alpha in my parish years ago, my primary concern was around doctrine uh, because, of course, Alpha, there's a whole load of things that are not covered within Alpha. And I created a course that I call Catholicism 2.1. And we ran it a number of times in my parish. And then we actually recorded it. We got some um, amateurs, we got some students and we, and we made a, a series of videos. But this course covered um, ecclesiology. There was an extra talk on the church. There were talks on, on, on the sacraments, on marrying the saints and different aspects of Christian morality. And that was my primary th- consideration was how do we fill out the catechetical information? How do we get people the right theology so they can be properly informed? That was maybe 12 years ago when I first formed that course. And since that time, my whole approach has changed because I find that, that as Ron used the term, a web of relationships, that that ultimately is the most important thing because if you lose that sense of belonging, uh, it doesn't matter how much right information people have. You know, people primarily today in our postmodern, post-Christian culture do not either join, leave, or remain in a church because of doctrine. They do so because of belonging, a sense of belonging. So the, the, the first task is, is to get people caught up in those caring relationships. And if that happens, then you really have the rest of your life, their lives, uh, to continue to fill in their theology and, and fill in the gaps. And they'll want to. So you don't have to worry about the timing has to be right after Alpha, because what we found is people are desiring more and more discipleship. They want content. They want to grow. They want to be informed. And so it's beautiful. So it's just we just at the, the supper table, so to speak, over a long period of time. We're in a relationship for a long period of time. The church becomes a family where we actually know each other and care for each other. So when we talk about have not having a plan post-alpha, I think it's twofold. One, I think it's structurally. And as a pastor, are you prepared to share your pastoral ministry with lay people, because yeah. unless you're in a part of the world that priests are in incredible abundance, it's not our issue here in Canada. Unless you only have 60 people in your parish. Right. It's not going to be an issue. But again, I think evangelicals would say that one person can can adequately personally pastor about 100 people. Now, these are 100 toddlers who have, who have a walk-in, right? Uh, so when people are awake, your max is about 100 Per person, so all of a sudden you've got you know two, three, four hundred people awake. Then there's a real challenge there. But one of the ways in which we've responded to that is is kind of our game plan that we we call it here at Saint Benedict about what we what we do after Alpha. Maybe Ron, you can say a little bit about that. Sure. And so there's really two places that 
people can go after Alpha. One of them is to come back and be on team. So that's where we continue to invest and disciple you. The other one is to join a connect group, which again is where we invest in and disciple you. And a connect group is where Alpha alumni go to connect and grow. And so we start connect groups when we've identified people who have the leadership chops. The filter we use, we've actually uh, borrowed from CCO, which is an organization in Canada that ministers a Catholic organization to university students. And we have somebody named Tanya on staff that taught us this. But it's F-A-C-T. Are they faithful, available, contagious, and teachable. So that's the filter we use to evaluate people's capacity and leadership and to bring them along. And when we recognize we have somebody that really fills those out and we believe is excited about the mission of our parish, we vet those names past Father James because he has to give the final approval because they become an extension of him. They become a small p pastor. They lead a small church, so to speak, in one sense, a group between 20 and 30 people that meets in their homes every two weeks with a specific structure. And so you finish Alpha, we're either going to invite you to come and back and be on team and or join a connect group. Now, with that said, we've had a lot more people interested in connect groups than we have connect groups. So the connect groups... We only start another one when we have the, the right, right leadership. Yeah, that's that's that, that's mm. that's okay. But in our in our connect groups, you know, people gather in homes. It all happens in homes, and people say, "Wow, how can you get that many people in homes?" Well, we do it all the time. Whenever you have a party, you, people cram that that those numbers in, 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 into homes. You know, people sit on the floor and on the steps, and it's a bit chaotic, but it's kind of fun as well. <laughs> and people gather for a, a, a potluck meal. And then there is a time of, of singing and praying. And then one person will give a talk. And I'll come to that in, in, a, in a moment. And then people will break off into smaller groups to discuss what they heard. And then there was a time of prayer where people will pray with and for and over uh, one, one, one another. And so the primary focus of Connect Groups is, is relationship. It's fellowship and that sense of authentic Christian community to, to go to a place where I'm known and loved where I'm, I'm accountable to and for others in my walk with God. This is not just socializing or, or hanging out. This is very intentional about gathering people together, building people up and ministering to one another, supporting each other in, in how we follow Jesus. Um, and, the, and often people say, well, what about the content? What, do, what, do you, what are your topics? The, the key thing in connect groups, the, the main point of it is not content. It's but but so we'll we'll say to people, uh, Ron. Well, you, you you know he's just been with us for two months. He had a conversion on Alpha six months ago. I said, Ron, um, would you like to share your faith story with us next month? What? Oh, I, I couldn't do that. Well, yes, you can. You know, we love you. We support you. This is a safe place. And so, Ron will get, share his faith journey for the first time. And and that's a significant moment for someone. I still remember as a seven year old the first time I ever told my faith story. It, it was incredibly impactful. And so in that sense, you're calling people forth to share a bit of themselves. It could be someone who plays guitar and saying, would you like to maybe lead a prayer next or to lead, lead a song? It's a place for people to begin to grow. So what is said is not the, the key thing. The fact that someone is saying it and who is saying it is. And I hope and I think we'll probably end up unpacking what is the Connect Group and how does it work the best in a future podcast because it is a really big part of what we do here. One of the other things you can do post-Alpha, if you don't have Connect Groups up and running yet or you don't have a plan for that, is to do Alpha table reunions. And oftentimes those will happen anyway, whether you, pl- whether you plan them uh, structurally or not, because people 
are dying to stay together. One of the things that often happens around week seven is people start to hyperventilate. At week one or two, they're like, I don't even know if I'm going to like these people. And by week three, they're like, actually, I'm kind of looking forward to it. By week seven, they're panicking because they know it's going to be over in three weeks. And what are we going to do with our Thursday night or whenever you run alpha? Because they really do care for each other. And so to encourage them to go on meeting is helpful. And sometimes you can do it with some content, which we'd consider uh, a discipleship group, which is part yes. of our game plan. Uh, is, uh, so it could be over a book. Maybe they unpack a book and, and get together once we can talk about it. Or maybe they're just getting together for supper and saying, how are you doing with your prayer life? How are you doing with your scripture reading? What's going on? Just continue to care for people. But I believe that uh, for our game plan, it's to become an invitational church. And we have lots of different ways and things that we can invite people to so we can start to grow trust and grow in a relationship with people because we ultimately want to invite them to Alpha, to experience Alpha, because Alpha is where oftentimes faith is either found or reawakened, and they really get to know people in an authentic way. From Alpha, the game plan is either to invite people back on team and or invite them to be a part of a connect group. And as people continue to grow in a connect group, we want 100% of them to be involved in some form of ministry in our parish community, which again, fills the other ministries and makes them more robust and energetic and, and exciting. And and we also from there want people to commit at least once a year to some type of a discipleship group. A discipleship group would be a group of people between four and ten, and that's where it's more focused on content, and that's where our Bible studies will take place or book studies or things like that. So people from the parish as well as people that are involved in connect groups to enter into at least once year into so that's our game plan. and there, there, there's some tools out there because I mean there is that legitimate pastoral concern of how do you fill out the the basic theology because you know one thing that we avoid when talking about alpha is calling alpha you know basic Christianity because that's that's you've made judgment up about the theological content that anything that's not covered in alpha is not basic Christianity well from a Catholic perspective that's kind of problematic I mean the sacraments and the Eucharist basic Christianity not talked about in within alpha Mind you, uh, it's not really talked about in the creed e- either. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean there, there's, the, there's a basis for this kind of approach. But specific, there are a number of resources out there. Um, one of the ones that we created was Catholicism 201. And uh, Robert Barron's Catholicism series is another great option as well. But there are all kinds of options out there. Uh, but remember, if you've got people caught in a web of relationships and if you have momentum in your parish of a culture of discipleship, you don't have to do it all in one year. You've got time. You, you can take your foot off the pedal and mm-hmm. invite people to slowly begin to build. Uh, one of the things we do is obviously with a lot of non-Catholics and non-church goers who come on Alpha, if, if uh, or if someone, say someone has been away from the church, we've got a situation where we've got a man who's been away for many, many years, had a conversion. Well, then you want to move people towards the sacrament of reconciliation. And that's a sensitivity that we would work with with our team because people are often invited by a particular person. They will form relationships with team leaders. And in that, within that relationship, that one-on-one relationship, a team member would, would encourage that person who's started to come back to Mass that the next step they should take is to go to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. If someone's not baptized or, or confirmed, there's often an invitation given to be a part of the RCIA process. What does our RCIA process look like? It's, it's Alpha. It begins with Alpha. Guess what? You've already done the first part. Uh, and then the, the second part of RCA, join a connect group. Oh, you're already in a connect group. Look at that. So all we need to do then is to have you join a discipleship. Oh, you're already in a discipleship group. Uh, and you're already learning your, your, your other 
catechetical uh, st- stuff. So uh, then we just have to have a few meetings to talk about the different rites and what's going to happen at the Easter Vigil, and you're good to go. And the very uh, community that nurtured you and nourished your, your, your faith and brought you to this process, guess what? It's not going to disappear it's not going to vaporize yeah. after the Easter Vigil, as happens in, in a lot of parishes. When RCA finishes at the Easter Vigil, people are just, you know, receive a slap in the back and a good luck. And and often there's there's a huge fallout rate within RCIA. So right. that's what we're trying to do. We don't always so, get it right, but that's that's generally what we're, where we're going. What I'm hearing between, from, from both of you is that, you know, there's some ways post-alpha to do some things really right. But more important than doing things really right is you have to have something planned. You have yes. to be in a place where you're going to do something, right? Because so you've got to expect that, that if, if you're going to do alpha, those toddlers are going to start waking up. Yeah. And, and you don't want to get to a point where, you know, you're you're not prepared for that. And so there's all sorts of ways to prepare. And I think we can probably at, at a future time talk about some of those ways and particularly the ways that you two have, have sort of developed and, and implemented here at St. Benedict. Uh, we're at the end of our 10. We've hit all 10. So like, you know, high fives all around for that. Uh, I recognize that... Uh, the ring has been destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> the ring has been destroyed. But this is like, you know, the, the, the classic the, Tolkien the problem eagles is... Have, the eagles have re- rescued Frodo and Sam. Right. But now now we're going through Tolkien's note to publish additional books because there's so oh, yeah. much more to be said, right? Yes. I mean, like, this is when, oh, I guess we've got to go back to the Shire. We've got to go back to the Shire. Unfinished yeah. tales or whatever it was. Uh, so so that's that's our stage. I'm wondering if, if, given that we've gone through these 10, if there's anything that's on either of your minds about stuff that we didn't talk about there that's important or that you want to go back and emphasize? Mm. Alpha means growth. If you create a culture of alpha, your church will grow. It'll grow in numbers. It'll grow in people converting to the faith. It will grow in awakening and people's desire to get to know their faith more and read scripture. It's amazing. And so it really is something worth embracing. You know, when I look back at what we've talked about, if there's one thing and it's it, it's that I think, oh, shoot, I wished I would have mentioned. It would have been the cost, because some people get caught up in the cost. And Father James did mention that, my gosh, it's always breaks even. And, and that always is my goal. It's important to me. I don't know why. I just don't want it. I want to be able to break even, because when people get excited about it, they're willing to also put some money behind it. So it doesn't cost the congregation much. But one of the things that people get kind of concerned with is, what about the weekend away? So it does cost. For us, we go away for one night. And it's $100 per person, includes all your meals and your overnight. So that's just to give people a little bit of a baseline um, for our weekend experience. And that's one thing that I realized, oh, shoot, I meant to say something about that, and I didn't because I often get asked, well, what do you do and how do you do it? That's what we do. Now, with that said, we always say to people, if you're in a place where money's tight, I get it. I've been there myself. Um, Just let your table leader know that you're going to need a little bit of help. If you can't pay anything, that's okay. Don't let it stop you from coming. If you're in a position where you're in excess right now and you can afford to donate a little bit more so somebody else might go, can you please let us know that? And you know what? Every single time, Mm. everybody who wants to go goes and we break even. Every single time. I would just add, uh, add, sorry, from the perspective of of being pastor that uh, what is it, if there are any pastors listening to this, you know, having Alpha at the center of, of, of your evangelistic efforts of your discipleship process and your, your your leadership pipeline doesn't mean that you have to do everything, but it does mean that you have to be clear to the entire community that this is what Alpha is. It's not just an add-on. You've got to be the biggest champion for Alpha. You've got to talk about it in your homilies, your weekday homilies. You've got to talk about it on the weekend. You've got to be unapologetic for the fact that 
you, you view Alpha not just as one program among many. Uh, as I've said to our people, you, you show me another ministry where the unchurched and non-believers are, are, are coming to faith and becoming disciples, and I will make I will talk about that one nonstop. <laughs> but for now, it's Alpha, and, and I've got to also be the person who's tapping people on the shoulder and personally inviting people to Alpha all the time. I've got to model it, and I've got to be unequivocal about the fact that it's at the heart of what we do to change the culture of, of, of our parish. So this entire trilogy of podcasts was based upon uh, some work you did, Ron. It was it was it came from a presentation and some thinking. And so I want to say a particular thank you to you, Ron Huntley, for for really providing the foundation for us to have these conversations. Because if you hadn't gone there, we wouldn't have been able to build on it. So seriously, thank you for for creating the My the pleasure. context. My and to be honest, I think between Ron and I, we've made every single one of these mistakes <laughs> ourselves. So it's it's all been <laughs> so learned. So I want to thank all the parishes I've ever served in, and I've had to <laughs> suffer through all my mistakes. Uh, thank you for helping us to put this talk together today. And we searched uh, far and wide to find the two best killers of Alpha around. And <laughs> I'm lucky enough that you're both here with me. And praise God, we have a God who can raise from the dead. Uh, <laughs> brings back to life. All right. So, uh, Ron, if people want to chase you down and find more from you, where, where would they find you? They can find me on Twitter at RMHSBP. I'm always trying to tweet things that keep you inspired and motivated. Excellent. And on Twitter for myself, at FJ Mallon. Also, my website is frjamesmallon.com. And, of course, you can always find all things Divine Renovation related at divinerenovation.net. Uh, there's a book. There's this crazy podcast. There's a conference coming up. Have you registered? Please register for the conference. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And it's just a little over a year away now. Yep. Uh, and so registration isn't open, but you can certainly get on the list. And uh, so I would encourage you to get on the list so that you at least be uh, aware of updates. And that's, again, at divinerenovation.net. I'm Dan O'Rourke from JP2 Media. You can find us at jp2media.com. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And thank you guys for being here. Thank you. God bless. Thank you. Bye.